Hi everybody, I'm Duncan Krieger. Welcome to DefenderCast. Finally, we get a chance to show you guys something slightly different. We are recording a podcast both in sound and on video and I'm incredibly excited to bring the next few guests to you. Please hold on to your seats and enjoy the ride. Um, About 10 minutes ago, Daniel Daggers was sitting in this chair and we were talking to him about his experiences of life and specifically within business. And I think you'll find what he has to say about Instagram specifically and how that has impacted the bottom line i.e. he's actually doing business from the work that he's done on Instagram. Very, very interesting. I know I did, so let us know what you think. Just before I go, I don't get a chance to do this very often. Please make sure that you leave a little comment wherever you're watching or listening. Thumbs up would be really nice and subscribe so that you are kept up to date with what we're up to. There is a mailing list which I will ask you to subscribe to for all tab things and most importantly... Um, don't forget to give me some feedback because I'd really appreciate it. Kai, welcome everybody. I am <laughs> extremely excited to be bringing the voice of Mr. Daniel Daggers to the podcast. Thank you. Um, Mr. Super Prime himself is in the building. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> we are very close to his head office, so he didn't have a very long walk today. And very keen to share some thoughts of somebody that I really do follow every day and I consider myself to be a fan watching the Instagram stories so we've got lots to talk about um welcome thank you for having me Um, we've known each other for a long time but vaguely and and over the past couple of months maybe six months nine months we've got to know each other a bit better yeah um and so I'm delighted to be here so thank you very much for the invitation Absolutely. And you're looking very ripped at the moment. Thank you. Well, luckily it's on camera as well, so we can show something. Where where are you working out at the moment, Duncan? Oh, here we go again. (laughs) The regular jokes. Yes, Barry's Boot Camp, number one fan. Um, Let's go. Cool. Great. So, quick question for you then, uh, Danny. Um, Mm -hmm. You've just got short of 27,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. How much are each follower worth to you, do you think? have not been asked this question um and i don't, I don't know what questions are coming and up I, either and okay good because we're ad hocking which is yeah. nice um i don't look at it that way i really don't look at it that way i don't spend any time thinking how much money i can curate from each individual and really what i can do with them and so on and so on i think about just portraying myself in the right fashion in the way that i lead my life and being the human being that i am has got me to where i am and if people resonate and they want to watch, then great. And then if they want to do business with me, that's fantastic. Great. Because if someone likes me for who I am, it's going to be a lot easier to do business with people who like me for who I am and, and hopefully will resonate a lot more. So I don't look at it in terms of a um, how much is each follower worth to me. Cool. Sorry. No, no. I mean, that, that answer was, I mean, that's perfect, really, okay. because ultimately you're, you're you're seeing it as you're just telling your story and it doesn't matter how many sure, how many more people are watching your content it's just a case of more people are watching your content you're not thinking of monetizing how you know your followers which is absolutely good to hear i mean i am greatly but it's not it's not necessarily the immediate purpose cool does it feel like a full-time job to you keeping your no it's come unbelievably natural okay. now because if I see something that interests me, I'd like to think it's going to interest my audience. So I just do it there and then, and then I crack on. Yeah. 
And I'll spend a little bit more time. So under a lot of the images that I post, I'll write quite a bit of dialogue because I don't want my page to be just a, a beautiful place of beautiful pictures. I want it to be informative and fun and engage with people. And so, yeah, there's quite a bit of detail under the images. Yeah, but you're kind of, you're obviously honing your skills as every post goes out. And then I guess gathering feedback in whatever form it comes in and thinking about how to make it better or more engaging moving forward. Because it's moving feast, right? There's no, like, there's no textbook anywhere that says you need to do this and tag these people and do it this time of day or that time of day. Yeah, I think there are probably some parameters that if you work within, g- give you um, accelerate your growth um, in a in a in a better fashion. So you get the right kind of people, get yourself in the right kind of people, uh, in front of the right people. I haven't done. I, I've spent a little bit of money on paid social, like on on marketing myself just cool. to get going, but it wasn't a huge amount. Um, and I do believe in letting things grow naturally. So what was the ROI from, from your paid stuff? What, w- what do you think, what did you get back from that? Did you, versus, you know, how much you do f- on an organic basis? So do you think it was worth more? Uh, do you got more clicks? Do you, what, was, what was the... I don't, it's, not the, it's not the clicks, it's the DMs and the people that want to communicate okay. with you directly. And then, and then where does that necessarily go to? And um, I've got plenty of stories that surround my Instagram account, which which um, are pretty amazing. Should we just take it back a step? So I'm yeah. not sure people, well, people really, know what. One of the things that I find interesting is that you've had uh, this job in residential property in the centre of London for such a long time, and yeah. you've got, you know, picked up so much about the market and different types of investors. Let's just go back a, a little bit for a quick plotted history of yeah. where you are and how you ended up there and okay. what you're doing there. Okay, so December the 20th, 1979. My <laughs> wow. parents brought me, yeah, yeah, I'm old. Um, my parents brought me into this world. No, I tried to be a professional footballer. I had a, um, a decent education, but I wasn't good at school. Uh, school didn't teach the way I, I learnt. And so um, I was practically told that I wasn't particularly intelligent and my future, I believed, uh, lied probably in football. So I tried to be a professional footballer, even though my parents said, look, it's great if you make it, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but really, you need to get a job. My dad was a kitchen designer at the time. Uh, he had a colourful uh, background, was extremely successful, lost all his money. And then I was raised in a council flat till I was about 11, 12. Um, went to a local boys club that was really humbling because I was the only kid there that um, had both parents. And the ethnic diversity there was just insane. Um, that was really interesting. Uh, there was an element of bullying that came my way which made me a stronger individual and that was Definitely. quite interesting and then i went to a private jewish school because i'm jewish and um i i ended up studying with a group of kids who were very affluent and so i saw polar ends of the spectrum which made me a very balanced individual and then uh stud carried on studying went into gmvq in business because i wasn't bright enough to do a levels um and it was it was amazing because the subjects that I really enjoyed it was like turning the light on and I was really interested and then when I went into this business course I wanted to study surveying but I didn't have the grades after GCSEs I mean I don't know how old the audience is here they might not get it but I was 17 something like that and um, I went and because I couldn't do the surveying course I went into this GMBQ in business and from the first 30 seconds I was in it yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps because I remember the yeah. days 
I was like really interested in in how this worked. I was trying to figure out back doors to not pay any tax <laughs> and bits and pieces like that. You know, I was a 17 year old, 18 year old kid who was, who was interested in stuff. Um, and then I realized, well, maybe I do have a future in business. I did a, I did a two week work experience at a local estate agency in Maidavell that my father knew the owner. And uh, pardon, Vic Vickers and Company. Okay. They, I hold them very dear to my heart. Um, I'm still very good friends with them. And actually, the owner of the business who gave me my first start um, passed away recently. And it oh. was um, it I'm was a very sorry. very sad time. Yeah, it was a very very sad time. Just for a everyone reminder involved. that life is precious. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, totally out of the blue. The um, the funny thing. Um, sorry, not the funny thing, but what happened was I. Uh, carry on. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Carry on. So, so I, um, I worked there for two weeks, and then carried on studying, and then they, I broke my collarbone, so the football thing went out the window. I probably wasn't good enough anyway. And just go with the collarbone story is. Yeah, but the collarbone thing was like, uh, it was like the hurdle. I just couldn't get over it. What position did you play? I played centre midfield. Centre midfield. Okay. I was a creative genius who didn't like tackling, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and uh, and wasn't powerful enough. Um, and they just got in touch with me. They said, uh, they said to my father, you know, what, what's Daniel doing now? And he said, well, he's nothing. He's looking for a job. And I became an estate agent at the age of, I think I was 17 and a half. So that was back at Vickers. That was Vickers, shop window, made of L, people walking in. Starting to learn your patch because you live around there somewhere. Yeah, I, I, and the funny thing is, as a kid growing up, I only knew three streets. Like I played on the pavement and in the local park. I didn't know the affluent neighbourhood that was you know, a quarter of a mile away. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know the roads, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like the, the very start of your understanding of real estate and who lives where and the difference I have to tell you, to go 10 minutes walk in one direction and I 10 learned, minutes in the other. Well, that's how amazing London is, yeah. right? Because you have this urban society where, where gentrification now is taking place across the whole city. Um, but you used, to, you used to walk out of a three million pound home and you could walk four minutes in one direction then you've got lo- a lot of local authority housing yeah. and, and that would concern a couple of people or a few people or percentage of the marketplace but it didn't concern me because that's where I came from so I felt really comfortable um, so I was an agent for 11 years there I really learned the business working for a small independent is one of the best places to learn your trade because every inch counts every pound counts every lead counts when that phone rang I was like I was like uh, I know, this cowboy going for his gun. Yeah. You know, I was right on the phone immediately because that was a potential that was a potential deal. Yeah. So I was there for eleven years. Then I moved to Knight Frank, which is a huge. It's the biggest independent property company in the world. We employ about fourteen, fifteen thousand people globally. Um, and I worked in the St Johnswood office, which is a North London suburb of very expensive properties. And I worked the market between four million to ten million pounds tended to be houses, some apartments. And I was there for eight years, managed the sale of $2 billion worth of property. And I used dollars not to make the number bigger, but that's the global currency. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Super Prime. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Super Prime, little, little tad of Mr. Super Prime. Yeah. And, then, um, and then I moved to our head office and, and was formed part of the Super Prime team dealing with transactions over 10 million pounds um, in London as a whole which is a big market, as I'm sure you can imagine, um, which is now uh, described as the private office supporting ultra-high net worth individuals in the acquisition to sell their assets, um, commercial, residential. And I'm also the U.S. ambassador, which means I travel to the U.S. and meet up with our strategic partners, Douglas Elliman, and network with the top-end um, 
brokers, that's what they're called over there. Uh, people like Frederick Eklund on Million Dollar Listing and Josh Altman and all these guys and girls who are excellent at what they do. Um, they are my colleagues. Sounds like you're enjoying it. I mean, there's lots of questions in my mind, but... Um, <laughs> Related to I property, guess, though, right? Yeah, yeah okay, good. at this point, definitely. <laughs> I mean... Fire away with one, Duncan. Yeah, the first thing I'm interested to hear is what's changed, because in some respects, you know, that kind of attitude of every phone call is a lead, I, I know you kind of live and breathe that anyway. That's part of your makeup and assume the way that you train the team and everything, but there's obviously loads of things that have changed. But in some respects, it sounds like the job is pretty much the same as it was when you walked into your job 20 years ago. Um, and then you've got all these new things like Instagram, for example, that just kind of help or sort of add to what you're doing. Okay, so... Uh, What's ev- changed? So the fundamentals are the same. Everything else has changed. So the fundamentals about matching people with property um, is exactly the same. Um, how you do it has changed. Communication skills have changed. Social media has changed the scene totally. Um, I would probably say I've been doing my social, I've been doing my Instagram thing for um, for about three years. I would say a big proportion, 40% of my live leads come from social media now. Wow. Good. And look, I still hear loads of people saying... Well, you don't, like, Instagram's for fun, you don't do any business, but I, I completely disagree. I think they're naive. Um, I think even Definitely. the way that we met Justin, who's sitting in the room today, was a chance meeting between you two. I don't know if you even remember this. Or yeah, of course this. I do. Yeah. And then I get a uh, video. Oh, it was actually with, with Redder. With Red, yeah, yeah. So we, and we actually, I just got a video through Instagram, and that's how we all met, and we are... Um, s- um, sorry, someone's trying it's to right. come in. Go on. And yeah, I mean, from my point of view, starting this new app business, uh, which is very in sync with what you're talking about as well, um, I just don't see how you can argue that this can't add um, to what you're doing as long well, as you I, present yourself. I mean, I'm not entirely sure why why it's so uh, unusual for people. I mean, previously, uh, business was, was very much about um, if you had an office your business was conducted within a two-mile, three-mile, four-mile, five-mile radius, yeah. or if someone was driving past your office. Mm. Okay. Now, with yeah. the world that we live in, yeah. business opportunity lies much further afield, yeah. so globally, and therefore, uh, how do you communicate with a wider audience which has no barriers of, of mm-hmm. distance? Well, it's really simple. Um, and if you have a big audience or big group of people that you know, um, and you're doing interesting things, then people like to be involved with interesting people yeah. and they share it. Yeah, and like all sales, it's not about you posting something and someone calling you directly afterwards. You've been going through this brand building exercise where people see you every day or whenever they want to see you and then when this big decision does come up, you're the obvious go-to. I think consistency is vitally important. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you are consistent in your approach, you don't change necessarily. Your, your, your mindset is the same and you're the same person, maybe you start dealing, you know, I was selling £80,000 studio flats. Recently, I sold the most expensive house in London in the past decade, but I'm still the exact same person. Yeah. I mean, nothing's, nothing's changed like that. But consistency is vitally important. And um, I'm doing business with people that I've known for the past 20 years who remember me as that spotty teenager in the window of Vickers and would drive past with their family and hoot and I would wave, yeah. right? I'm still the same guy and I'm just not sat in the window. Yeah. And you can speak to me every minute of every day almost. Yeah. So what's um in terms of social media, mm. so 
was Instagram your first stab at social or were there anything beforehand? I tried everything. Bradley always brings everything back to socials. No, but I think it's vitally important. I think it's really important. I mean, people are building businesses off social, you know, straight to consumer, direct to consumer. It makes a huge amount of sense. It doesn't matter if you're selling the most expensive asset in the world, Mm. right? Or if you're selling socks. So why do you think Instagram has been so successful for you? For me, because what I do is so visually inspiring. Mm-hmm. That made a lot of sense to me. Oh, I can walk into 10 million pounds, 20 million pounds, 50 million pounds, 100 million pound apartment and houses globally. And people don't but get th- a chance to see that. No, people don't get a chance to see that. And I think it's really inspiring. Um, and it's beautiful. So that's why I went down the Instagram route. I did have a, I, I, I sort of, I played around with Snapchat but it, it didn't feel comfortable. And then when Instagram brought in stories, it was like, get rid of Snapchat because yeah. it was in one place. It's much more efficient. Facebook is the mother, is the mothership. Um, my, my story with social is, in, is uh, and I don't want to keep on talking. No, so let's just like I, butt I, I, in. I, I, yeah. But my story, my story with social is just, pra- it's just practical because uh, I'd go to the US. There's a lot of free thinking in the US, which I love. There's so much creativity there. Um, and people really are in, are inspired to be themselves. Yeah. It's the and American it's, dream. Yeah, but, but, it, but it's not just the American dream anymore. I think the rest of the world is doing it. The UK is very much a corporate atmosphere here. We have less uh, venture capital and private equity that explores talent. Um, and, and I think that's going to change. But very simply, I went to the US and I see the, the brokers who I've got a huge amount of admiration and, and, and like very much in the US doing the Instagram stuff. And they would spend like 80% of their time, you know, about what they're wearing and where they're going and who they're with, and then 20% on their work. And I thought to myself, well, they're speaking to their audience, they're speaking to their friendship group, they're speaking to their family, they're speaking to potential customers and clients every day showing themselves. When I'm, I think I should just flip this on the head and just do 80% about the real estate world that I'm in because it's fascinating and 20% about me. Because I think it's really important that people get to know me as an individual. Yeah. Um, and I went to the US. I was invited to go to this building, 432 Park, which is the tallest um, residential tower in the Western Hemisphere. I think it may be eclipsed now, but still pretty amazing place to be. It was... It was September, I think it was September. You, and I, you, you had your stories out and it was freezing cold up there. Yeah, but this, this was a different build. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was a different, but that was recently. But I went to 432, this was about three years ago. Um, I got invited there by my partners, Douglas Elliman and the developers. So a handful of top brokers went over there. Went into the 80th floor on an outside lift, right? <laughs> which is pretty petrifying. It took five minutes to get up there. Went into the apartment and I thought to myself, have I got service? Yeah, I got service. And I was worried about my data because yeah. the company paid for the data. <laughs> I mean, looking back at this, this is bonkers, right? And we're going to listen to this in 10 years time and yeah, go, that's the beauty. Yeah, yeah. OMG, yeah. right? So I went on my Facebook, on my personal Facebook, and I went Facebook Live because it just came yeah. out. So I think it's about two and a half years ago, three years yeah. ago. And all of a sudden, my Facebook blew up. Yeah. Right, my friends were on it. My clients, who who, who I'm close with, are on it. It will sending me messages. Some of them are ultra high net worth individuals, you know, worth hundred, two hundred million. The they, they're saying, oh, I need to send it to my husband. I need to do this. I need to do that. I thought to myself, Wow, yeah, yeah. this is so powerful. I mean, I looked horrendous. I sound horrendous. I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, it was a stab in the dark. And I thought. Wow, this is incredible. So I rushed back to London, spoke to the head of marketing at my, in my business, who was an amazing woman 
called Fiona O'Keefe. She's Australian. She's moved back to Australia and she's doing a business there. Um, I can't remember what it's about. But she helped me implement my digital strategy, which is really just giving me a foundation. So she put a business account. Uh, she helped me with a business account on Facebook. I built my Instagram on top of that and then I went for it. And I was probably six months into my Instagram account. This is fascinating. Um, well, I hope it is anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm... I'm I put my face on camera for the first time, which is petrifying. Yeah. I know a lot of people think I'm super confident and stuff like this, but putting your face on camera is not easy. Especially for the first time. Especially for the first time. So picture it. I, I'm, I'm in St. John's Wood, which is a neighbourhood that I was working in, and, and a client of mine had bought property for me before. It was worth for around £7 million. And they were out looking to buy a bigger house of up to £20 million. So I'm, I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing this, this flying jacket with a scarf because it was pretty cold. I think it was... December, November time. I think it was probably a month straight after me coming back, actually, not six months. And um, I had my scarf around me and I put my face on camera and I went, okay, right, so I'm going, it took me 10 goes, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, right, so I'm meeting a client of mine who's a great person. Is this still in your archive? I've got it somewhere, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got so much content through the, <laughs> the link will be in the. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly right. So I said, um, I said right, I'm meeting a client of mine who's bought a property even before. We're looking for a 10 to 20 million pound house, about 10,000 square feet in the neighborhood, happy to do work. We're going shopping. This is going to be fun. Wish us luck. Goodbye. Anyway, on your stories, you can see who's, who's looking, uh, your stories. And at the time, I had a small audience, only about 500 people. And about five hours later, I get a text message from someone, maybe you know as well, but, yeah. but I know saying, hi, Daniel, how are you doing? We haven't spoken in nine months or a year. I'm not sure if you know, but I own a really big house in Primrose Hill. Okay. Um, you should come and have a look at it. Now, I know that this person saw my story. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, Instagram worked for me there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I went, had a look at the property, potential client, you know. Light bulb going off thinking, Boom. Wow. So now, So now I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, this works. I don't care what anyone says to me now, yeah. this works. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm a man of principle. And if I feel that I'm right and I think about things a lot before I do anything, but if I'm doing something, I'm doing it for a reason. And that was it. I just doubled down on it. And I got, a, it, was, it was painful for about a year, a year and a half. People who work with me, people who socialize with me, even now, some people don't get it. Yeah. Uh, they think it's an ego play, but it's not ego. Yeah. So I'm, what are the comments you get from those people? What, what, well, a lot what of the, the people, because I'm a bit of a character, yeah. yeah, I've got strong character, a lot of people won't necessarily talk to me about it to try okay. and understand. They'll, they'll talk you know, to well, other people about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I find that fascinating. Yeah, but the because, whole, because, if, because look, the if, whole thing is you're saying you're headstrong, you believed it was a good idea, you were doing it for yourself. It doesn't really matter what the naysayers have to say to no, your face. Well, it or doesn't, but it's very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. And I think not to brag, um, but I'm a very strong minded individual. Yeah. And, and my journey hasn't been like a rocket. Yeah. My journey has been really consistent. Yeah. And so the small decisions that I make during the course of my working life over the past 20 years yeah. have been right, wrong, right, 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 wrong, yeah. right, 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 wrong. And then I learn and learn and learn. Yeah, and the, so I, the wrongs get you, the more wrongs you get, the closer you get to... I've got no problem with the wrong. Yeah. A wrong's fine. I mean, that's just a lesson. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. So... Oh, so we'll just pause alarm. for a second as we are... 
I think, is that because the conversation's so hot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's mate. I should have said on fire, actually. That's what I should have said. It's actually worse with the, better with the headphones on. What is that? Is that, is that a yeah. fire alarm? Yeah. Is it? Oh. There we go. Anyway. How long are we anyway. in, Jake? It's okay. How let's long just, are we in? Let's just keep going. Let's go. Cool. Let's just keep going. Rolling. Rolling, rolling, so, rolling. It's a good rolling. podcast, this, because I've barely said anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I <laughs> no, to you not like? at all. I'm glad as far as um, doing here. I, uh, the fascinating thing about, about me was that I wasn't interested in necessarily keeping the secrets to myself. So I tried to tell all my colleagues to get onto it. Well, that's the best way, isn't it? If, you're, if you find something that works, sharing it. Oh, no, I love sharing. A, yeah, I totally love sharing. I, I'm going I'm to share everything to a certain extent, unless it's private. Yeah, I love sharing. I, I don't want to do the best for me. I want the best for everyone. I just think that putting goodness out there is going to help me at the end of the day. And, and that's exactly how the world works. I've yeah. got some incredible stories that if we've got me enough time, too. I'll share with Definitely. you. So question for both of you then, mm-hmm. um, given the fact DK's not spoke much. Um, no, so... <laughs> I was kidding. Given... Um, everything that we've spoke about already and, and, and where DK is with his journey as well. How many hours do you think a day on an average week do you, spe- do you both spend on social media? Although I'm doing more, I'm actually building a team around me. So for instance, you, Bradley, helping to... I mean, I've, I'm not a detail person at the best of times. So to juggle my own Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn yeah. feels like a full-time job to do it properly. So, so let's just stick to Instagram. So yeah, how so the, in, my Instagram account's the one thing that I am precious about. Very um, precious. Because, yeah, precious about it just because I feel like it is me. And the whole purpose of, of my Instagram is to be transparent and open and honest yeah. and, you know, exactly as you're saying Danny take the bad bits along with the good and try and learn how that makes me feel and how others respond to it and what I could be doing better um I know how long I spend on Instagram about an hour and a half a day cool what about yourself well there's two phases right one is consuming and yeah. the other one is replying yeah, or, engaging. or engaging right yeah so interestingly I have stopped I mean th- this does feel a bit weird but I've just stopped consuming anything I just literally except go on and post. Part, except, except for, for your, yeah, so a lot less than okay. I have done. Um, and actually, interestingly, we met probably about nine months or a year ago. It might have even been less than that. And I just started heating up my Instagram account and we sat down and had breakfast, Danny and I. And it was on this account, 993DK, which was my Porsche account, which I'd, because I was fairly early um, to Instagram originally, but with no plan at all, mm-hmm. just personal friends adding everyone. And then I decided I wanted to look at Instagram in more detail. In a more professional. Well, just to sort of understand it from a kind of business perspective. And also I was in a bit of limbo. I'd left my old firm. I didn't have a proper job. And the only thing that I really, like one one of my real passions is Porsche and cars. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to start a Porsche account and see how it goes. And, you know, it didn't take very long to get to a thousand followers and I was really enjoying it. And then we sat down and had breakfast. And you said to me, you know, what the fuck is this Porsche crap about? Why don't you just go back to Duncan Krieger? And I left there thinking, what am I doing? You know, how, how's anyone going to know there's anything about me? So I, I kind of paused that, went back to Duncan Krieger and there's been a pro. And then I unfollowed 800 people that I was following, went down to zero. And obviously my followers have been sort of recycling since then. And over the last year, I've started to build, build it all up again. And um, 
Yeah, it's just been an interesting process. I can't remember what the question was now. Just how, how many much out, time? How much time? But I guess yeah. that, that's kind of evolved. Yeah, well, it? my phone, I think I, I was playing with the settings and told it to let me know when I've done an hour and a half and it does that most days. I don't, I don't really care how much time I spend on it because wow. if I'm not consuming content and I'm working on it, mm-hmm. then I don't really care. Why would I? If my, if my engagement on the platform is, is of a positive nature... And it's not just taking in yeah. stuff that isn't relevant. Yeah. Then I don't really care how much time I spend. So on is it. there any time? So where how much you time posting? How much time consuming? So like, no, I don't switch off. Why? Well, let's talk work-life balance because I think Danny and I. A lot of what you said about your school, your schooling, and everything, I uh, resonates with me a lot. Mm. But the work-life balance thing, which I um, I just don't understand the concept of. Um, you know, so I'm always on. I'm always no, but you business, do, but you, but you do understand. Home. You do understand, and you do, and, and the reason why I can say that about you, mm. right? Trying to show as much empathy as I possibly can is that you're in really good shape. And when I first met you, you weren't in as good shape, yeah, yeah. which means that you've made a decision to focus on your health, yeah, in times that that sacrifice from your workspace. Yeah, right? but my point is that that has been consciously about me wanting to be in the best form of my life in order to deliver this crazy big product that I'm convinced that I need, that I can get out to the market. Okay. I made a conscious decision that said I need to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop, you know, going out and partying and start focusing on myself because that will enable me, it'll give me a better chance yeah. to deliver what I need to do. So in that respect, and, and do you it's feel been that way? work. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm without question. Okay. Uh, so then you made them. I feel every decision that I make, I'm making with more clarity now. Okay, there you go. Um, and that's why I'm riding it. So I'm not getting up at five a.m. every day because anyone's asked me to do it. I'm not doing it for charity. I'm doing it purely for myself, mm. and that is um, kind of self-perpetuating I get up I feel better I come out I'm ready to fight it's 9am I've been in the office for two hours no one's been in yet um, and I just found three hours a day that never existed in my life before because yeah. I was the last also it's silent as well it didn't hold me back before in fact I wouldn't have changed it it's just I guess an evolution of who I am and where I'm at in my life but my point is it's kind of very very intertwined it's not like I go where I go to Barry's and I have downtime I'm up at 5am and part of my um, documenting my story about me wanting to be in the best form of my life is I do 17 hour days not that I'm showing off but that's what it takes you know I don't get to my desk at 9 o'clock have an hour's lunch break and go home at 5 I never (laughs) ever have done well Um, I think firstly from what I can see within my business we've got a thousand people in the business in the office is that young people are definitely more considered about their, their health and well-being yeah uh, the business is conscious of that. So we're seeing it, and I'm late 30s, you're mid, mid-30s. Mid and so we're seeing it at our age, but I think it's not a generational thing, it's a world thing. Mm. Well, it's cooler to be fit now than to smoke and drink beer. Well, personally, if, if, I, it was personally, if you're up. a smoker, you're killing yourself. Yeah. Right? And and it's not it's not a positive thing for you. Like, mm. you, you might get, like, a nicotine high out of it, but, but it... Do you have a vice? My vice is... Probably my work, <laughs> because I love I love I love being in the middle of stuff. I love people wanting me, needing me, yeah, asking for my advice. Like that's part of my character that I, that, that I you know that is really important to me. Yeah. And so I don't really look at oh I work twenty hours of the day or fifteen hours of the day. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to document your seventeen hours yeah. and go ahead and do it. But but with my job, it's a per, it's it's a people job. 
and it means that it's happening all day. Everybody's a potential client. Everybody, I don't look at I don't look at Duncan and go, "Well, oh, you're a potential client." But yeah. I'm thinking to myself, "Well, I'm going to be myself, and if you need me, you're going to let me know." Yeah. And it's not going to it's not going to be, "Well, you need me. You can only get me at nine o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night." I'm yeah. working every minute of every day because also it's it's the world that we're doing business with now. It is really the world we're Agreed. doing business with, especially when you're you know talking about your your instagram and use the word communication a few times which i think is spot on it's basically your opportunity to communicate with thousands of people that you even with the best will in the world you wouldn't be able to communicate well, let's, with let's, anyway. let's put this into perspective in my business everybody needs a home yep okay if they want to buy a home in london or rent a home in london or they're moving to london then i want whoever it is, the audience, to refer that person to me if they think I'm a good person and I'm going to give straight advice. So it means that anybody who follows me is a potential introducer to business. Yeah. And So your 26,000 followers could be more like 260,000 reach as far not, as not if all be. of them have got 10 is. is. Yeah. It yeah. is, right? Yeah. It, it, it 100% is, word of mouth. Now, the fascinating thing about social um, is, I don't know if... You, like you guys know about GDPR, but yeah, yeah. but other people might not. Yeah. So it's it's the holding of pe- people's data mm-hmm. and being able to market to them. Well, um, because you can't just market everything to everybody on your database anymore. With the beautiful thing about about uh, social is that it's GDPR compliant, so people can choose to follow you or unfollow you. Mm. Exactly. And so, so and so I can market to everybody. Um, I can market myself, my business, what I do, who I'm with, where I go, to everybody. And if they don't find it interesting, or if they find it offensive, which is unlikely, um, they will they will just unfollow. But the, the most fascinating thing about social for me is that, one, everybody's going to be on it soon. And even the people that say they're not on it, they've got a secret account. Yeah. They're on it. And... Um, the voyeurs. The voyeur, whatever. It, I, I don't care. It's fine. I've got, look, I, I do business with some of the most powerful people on the planet, yeah. some of the richest people on the planet, and um, they have social media accounts. Am I, do I follow them? No, because we've got people who stalk my audience, so I tell them not to follow me, and I don't <laughs> follow them. Um, but the most fascinating thing about it is that for the other, let's say Duncan was another estate agent, mm-hmm. okay, who worked in the same market as me. For Duncan to speak to his database every day, if he doesn't have social, he has to make phone calls, send text messages, write emails, and go and visit people. Yeah, I mean, anyone, that's arguing, what he has to do, anyone right? arguing that that's, you know, that you don't have this a, is, an unfair advantage This, is what, he, this is what he has to do, right? He has to do this. I can hit 200,000 people in a week with quality information and content. And they choose, like you said. Whether or not they want to, to consume it or not. Exactly. So it is a no-brainer for me. And if you're not doing it, you're behind the curve. How far do you think that Instagram account can go? I get, I get, the un- I get you understand that, um, you know, how much your users is, is worth is a very difficult question to ask. But, okay, is it just 10 times more of the same when you've got 250,000 followers? Me, let, let me show you what I've got in my WIP which um, is work in progress. Yeah. And let's see. Is this the, your personal goals sort of list? No, no. This is, this, is, this is business that I am trying to execute as we speak. Bearing in mind, I work over £10 million 
Yeah, up to yeah, yeah. up to hundred million, two hundred million pounds for residential. So homes. just to be clear, Danny sells houses um, with a starting price. If it's under ten million pounds, it goes to another department. If it's over ten million pounds, well, yeah, ish, unless it's ish. unless it's a client that I've that I've done business or someone really wants me to help. Yeah, them but in every case, them. I assume you're not the only person working on that file. So it's just no, you know. But your I focus team. I focus over ten million, 10 million pounds, pounds across London and then the rest of the world, and I give people advice. So that's pretty much what I do. Some right? people would think that's quite a narrow field, but I guess you. No, it's a narrow. It, it's a narrow field. It is a narrow field, and it takes. Um, I'm probably one of the most experienced people now in the industry. Yeah. Um, from a global perspective, done a lot of travelling, gone to different markets, know the best that's people around time. the world. That's just timing, isn't it? You've earned yeah. your stripes. You can't. Oh, totally. You can't learn that overnight. You, no, 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 20 no. years no you'd have to take a sleep for 20 years no i know a little bit about a lot yeah 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 and i know the, and the other interesting thing about it is that i know the right people in the right markets and for some people out there um who've made their money very quickly or even slowly they don't know these people yeah yeah mm-hmm. so if you if you were to step into london to buy a 20 30 40 50 million pound home Who you might not hit me first you might hit 10 other people before you hit me. You're going to hear your name a few times. At some point, you're going to hear me. Yeah, yeah you're going to so, hear from me. I mean, but, once you've showed us this, I'd be interested to see. Um, so, so that says, that says, do you want to read it out? Yeah, Daniel Dagger's Instagram referrals since, since January 2019. Okay, and so I'm going to show you now months. the total sum of property that I am talking about with potential. These sellers or buyers? No, these are both. So 600 million pounds. Well, let's be accurate here. Six. Six hundred and four. Six hundred and four. Yeah. Point two five million. Yeah. Okay. Does it work? Out of interest, how yes. many? Can you split that between buyers and sellers? I could do, but just I, because I, uh, I guess, yeah, I'm just thinking. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's six hundred and four million pounds worth of potential business more than everyone else in your okay. office who works for the same so, company. So this is this is fascinating because business works this way, right? Everyone will say, "How much property have you sold?" Mm-hmm. Well, you can't sell anything unless you've got it to sell. Yeah. And yep. if you don't have it to sell, then you have to give information away to other parties that is sensitive information. So if I've got a buyer and I don't have the asset to sell them, I have to disclose who the buyer is to the person representing the seller. Now, as soon as I do that, I lose the value of that information Yep. because someone else has it. And so I want as much product as possible that I can engage with immediately. Yeah. yeah. So I need this. Yeah, yeah. I need to have people who want to buy property. Even having me. some stock can get you in front of buyers that buy something else. Okay. So, they, so this is so they don't have to buy so any went, of those six hundred million pounds. Look, look, when I went into real estate and I and uh, into into my office in St John's Wood and I ran the market between four and ten million pounds for this local office in North London, it's an unbelievably aggressive marketplace. Mm-hmm. The agents are strong determined, focused, they will cut corners and they will make things happen. I didn't want to be the shark, okay, in that small ocean. I wanted to be the dolphin. Mm. I want to be the guy that most people like, that felt secure with, and that was clever. So what I did... There's is a I, shark in dolphin's clothing. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it wasn't a shark. No, I think people say... I'd like I'd like to think people had a good experience with me over yeah, that eight sh- years, yeah. but I was just I was just clever about things. So I said I, what I said to myself was this: if I have every if I go and pitch on every property that we get invited into, and I have all the stock, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to meet every buyer in the market. Yeah, am I going to be in the industry for the next ten years? Yes, 
Probably I will be. So do I want to meet and, and have a positive uh, experience with as many people as possible who are looking to buy homes in that price range? Of course. Yes. So I'm taking everything on and the cost associated with that would be my time because I would have to spend so much time with so many people trying to keep everyone happy. But I was prepared to do that. So I work 17 hour days for the past 15 years or whatever it may be, yeah? And, but I met every buyer that came into the market who is a, who is a potential client in five years time or 10 years time. And that's the attitude that I took. So it's about trying to do as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I don't think you can teach that way of thinking. Like you said as well, that your first job, you're still in contact with, uh, you know, you still know the business. Oh, I love those guys. Admiration. Yeah. And, and they taught I, the I also say the same. You know, my first bosses, probably the first three or four are still clients of mine who I transact with today. And I don't think that's um, a coincidence. But you know, what is it about you that made you think, well, just because everyone's doing that, I'm just going to do this because this feels actually... No, right I, looked, I, looked, I looked at the dynamics. We're a big business and we're able to afford to carry a lot of stock and market properties yeah. when, when we relied on newspapers and magazines. Yeah. And so I said to myself, okay, well, if we can afford to carry the stock, then I'm gonna pitch. I'm not gonna lose instructions because the price wasn't right. Yeah. I'm going to try and command the best price for my clients because that's my job, but I'm not gonna lose it over price. And I'm going to take all the assets and put it on my platform. And then I'm gonna try and meet, everyone. meet everybody in the marketplace. So now, if you look at what you've done and what I've done and anyone who's been in the same sector for a long time, what happens is you create a huge amount of sweat equity with everybody. And I posted about this on social media and a lot of people didn't get it. But essentially I've done so much free work for so many people and hopefully have built so much trust and positivity and good experience with mm. such a big audience that anyone who comes to me to do business with me now will benefit of all that sweat equity I've got with a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand yeah. people around the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, ultimately they're transacting with you because of all of those things are working. They like you, they get to see you every day, they know that you're trusted and also you've got the stock and the contacts and sure. you've well, your consistent. Strike. You couldn't just take over, you know. So okay, my, my question is about when I was asking you right at the beginning what's changed in agency, because I'm quite interested in this um, particularly. Mm. I guess for for you or for the, the equivalent of you finding that agent now, would you, what would you tell them to do differently? Or what would you tell them to do differently than maybe you would have told them? Don't think people realise in business about consequence. Everyone knows everybody. If you do something wrong, everyone will know about it. Mm. Uh, if you, and, and negative news travels much faster than positive news. Yeah. So I would say every agent see, has to see opportunity in everybody that they meet. Uh, people are too short-sighted. So if they can't do a deal with you now, well, they're not going to really focus on that on that um, relationship. Yeah, that is the same across every business and every sure. sector. You could just 100%. apply that, which is right, uh, you know, 100% right. So you have is. to see value in everything. I don't think agents ask the right questions anymore. Uh, I think it's evolved from what is it you're looking for in my neighbourhood mm. to what is it you're looking for globally particularly if you work at the top end of the market, so anything over three million pounds in London, the likelihood is that individual you're talking to probably has interests in office space, in uh, residential, in a holiday home on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Um, cars, other luxury items? Other luxury well. items, but I'm not gonna get involved with, with, with selling cars, albeit a client of mine's looking for a <laughs> G6000 private jet. Um, but but um, look, if you ask the question, can I help you with anything that's property related 
all of a sudden your doors are, you know you've got plentiful amount of doors you can walk through yeah. um and and really what you want to do is put your arms around a client and look after them and they'll stay with you for the rest of your life yeah so i've got people i've done until business. you let them down or god forbid yeah, but like you said before you know that bad news travels fast which is why your reputation has to be everything to you with every client and every day otherwise all the hard work that you've been doing yeah. for the last 20 years could and also everybody now has got a digital footprint. Yeah. So if you go out and someone takes a picture of you and you're guzzling a bottle of champagne and you've got straws coming out of your ears, right? And you want to be a business. Have you seen that picture of me? And you, <laughs> 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 you, you want to be considered as a very, very astute uh, businessman. People are going to have a perception of you if they see an image like that because mm. you have a digital footprint. So I was, as a kid, for some reason, I was always very conscious about my image yeah mm -hmm. not not all like my nose in the air kind of thing but i was never the kid who was hammered and lying on the floor mm. that was that just wasn't me maybe it's because i wanted to be um Footballer. Sporty. yeah for sport the sport thing like i didn't start drinking till i was 17 yeah was no, that after you don't touch drugs was don't, that after you couldn't be a footballer don't smoke drinking. yeah i mean I, I started to get the impression i wasn't good enough and i was and and i understood that i wasn't good enough Mm. Um, and so I freed up a little bit. But even now, you know, I've got ex-girlfriends that say to me, not you're uptight, but, you know, you need to lose yourself a little bit. And I'm like, nah, not if really. Not, you're not I really looking I for advice either. Because really, I'm actually the opposite. Some things were similar. I'm actually the opposite. I've done tons of stupid shit and hopefully make much, much better decisions now based on my experience. But also a lot of that is just who I am. Sometimes you get it wrong. Um, sometimes you need to take a step back, stop sure. drinking for a year, whatever it may Look, be. Look, I'm not perfect. But yeah, I'm not perfect. I've definitely made mistakes, but I learn a lot from other people. Mm. I watch how other people. Like when I met you, I, I thought to myself, "Wow, um, this guy bright um, knows how to execute and is a doer." And so I need to take something from this guy because this guy's quite interesting. Wicked. And that's what I got from you. Yeah. That, that's what I got from you. So. I'm fortunate now that I meet some of the most influential people on the planet, dignitaries, um, biggest hedge fund managers in the world, you know, just some fascinating people. And I have a secure environment with them and we have proper conversations and I learn from these people. You can't buy a seat at those tables. Well, some people, yeah, you can't, but some people learn from experience. I learn from experience, but I also learn a lot from other people. Yeah. I try and learn their, the positives and the negatives. I guess wait for you're the type of person when you, sorry, I know it's a question coming, when you stop learning, all of a sudden things are gonna get very, you're always gonna learning. get very disinterested. So one of the reasons that you still enjoy the same thing about there could be a message in your inbox when you turn your airplane mode off that says, I didn't realize you were doing podcasts, you wanna come on another show, or you just enjoy that you're still learning. I love meeting people wicked i love people i get inspired by people i enjoy their company i i like being alone like on the weekends i'll spend the whole saturday by myself with my thoughts trying to understand stuff <laughs> no i'm serious like i yeah. i learn about my personality i think everyone needs to learn about their personality but don't take it to a, a, a negative place yeah. no. you spend too much time if you surround yourself with negative people and you surround yourself by doing stuff that's pretty dark yeah. it's going to put you in a really dark place if you surround yourself with positive people people that look to the future and try and be better and you listen to uplifting music and stuff like that you've heard someone preach this before on the podcast of course, of um, course. yeah surrounding yourself with good people i just think you oh it's vital 
no, there is no other way. No, it's vital, vital. And I'd like to think that people want to spend time with me because I'm a positive thinker and I, I like to create for future, not learn from the past, create for the future. So I guess, you know, that leads us onto a question and we're always about, you know, giving advice to people, the future generations and stuff I like that. I always say so we don't give advice. Don't we I? do look, to, well, look to, you know, lessons, you know. Um, yeah. So what would be the key piece, one key piece of advice you'd give a potential Danny Daggers? Duncan's looking perplexed. <laughs> um, key piece of advice. Um, someone who's looking to get into the industry. It, what, someone, into, into real estate? Yeah, someone who's looking to get in the industry, given that, you know, all the different things, all the different hurdles there are, but what would be the one piece Start of advice? Start figuring out how the tab app works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which you need to fill me in on. Yeah. Um, I think it's much more holistic than that. It's bigger than that. I think that you need to believe you're a good person and then whatever you go into be super positive and that's it it's not really real estate i think that if you ask duncan to go and be a manufacturer of you know like design kitchens or you need like particular talent for something like that but um yeah if you're going to do something you're going to do something i think duncan would be really good at doing anything yeah i think i I think you could put me you could put me i don't know designing trainers or just doing something totally different, student related, I think that I would figure it out because I'm looking to be creative and I'm looking to stay positive and see how to figure things out. So I, I, I assess what is bad, mm-hmm. I assess what is bad and I, and I, and I spend time on, mm, this isn't good, I don't like this, this is why I don't think it's good. Okay, how can we change it? Why would we do it this way? Who does it benefit? How do we do it? And then go and execute. So I think about understanding yourself and knowing that you're a good person, putting yourself in a really good place and then going being positive about stuff makes a big difference. So I'm interested to know a little bit more about them Saturdays. What you do, <laughs> what you do on that on that Saturday? Is it is it more a case of reflecting? Is it looking forward? I don't meditate. I don't meditate. Um, or or um, do you plan? Yeah, I plan. It's not a strength of mine. It's definitely not a strength of man, uh, mine. I like. I like being super creative and I understand stuff quickly. Um, so you prefer, prefer to be or you end up being um, sort of caught off guard? You don't mind being caught off guard at all? Well, in, in my business, I'm not caught off guard that often because I've got so much experience, mm. which is why I'm so positive and, and why some people say, wow, he's so confident is because yeah. it's not often I've got my back against the wall because I can't talk about something. What do you do if your back is against the wall? Uh, in, my, in my industry, if someone asks me a question I don't know, I'll say to them, I don't, I don't know. know. And I'll come back to you and I'll get back to them super quickly yeah. because speed and efficiency is the most important thing in our world right now. Um, and I'm very honest. So, you know, I mean, talking about things that are obviously impacting the industry. So Brexit, uh, what's been the impact so far on, on, what you've, what, on what you do? Big impact. But Brexit's had its impact. It's had its impact on currency. It's had its impact on <laughs> asset values. It's had its impact on our personalities because <laughs> we're bored of it. People are really bored of it. People are super bored of it now. Um, it's created opportunity for people. If you're in a positive mindset, you'll see it. And if you're not, you won't. That's it. Interesting. I mean, 
I've got a feeling we should talk about the tab app a little bit. Yes, please. Because um, I'd like to. Because I want to know a little bit more about you. it. Um, and also, it is just so closely linked to, you know, for the first time ever. By the time I'm finished in the next few months with the property market, you'll be able to go on to my equivalent of Rightmove, mm-hmm. which will be my marketplace. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see a property that you like. Mm-hmm that's producing a return. Mm-hmm. And within three clicks, you'll be able to buy 1% of it, 2% of it, 3% of it, 4% of it. Mm-hmm. So the whole lead time that has existed in your building a relationship, building the trust, showing them properties that they're probably not going to buy now, mm-hmm. and then waiting for them to actually sell that property in five years time, then you've got to list it on the market, and then wait for the f- perfect buyer to come along at the perfect time. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to create a scenario where none of that need happen. We okay. can market to someone who's got cash in the bank, who's got an interest in property. They can register on the app, load their account with cash, like you can do on hundreds and hundreds of apps now. Yeah. And then buy a share of a property in Barclay Square and walk past it two hours later and say, I own 1% of that, that building. I mean... We, we haven't talked about it for a while, and I can show you all the up-to-date visuals. What, what's your understanding of what I'm trying to do? What do you think well, about we spoke, it? Well, we spoke really briefly about this about nine months ago when we first met, and you sort of ran the idea by me, and I was like, yep, yeah, can definitely see how the market's going to work that way. Um, about 90 seconds ago, I mentioned speed and efficiency, and that is a luxury for a lot of people now. Well, now you're offering an investment strategy around speed and efficiency. Um, is a lot of your market, sorry, is it very heavily weighted in the owner-occupied space or what set? Yes. Yeah. Because um, the taxation associated with acquiring property in the UK now, particularly if it's a second home, uh, in, in the super prime sector, so over, yeah. yes, say even £5 million pounds is so high, yeah. you know, it could be 12 to 15%. Impossible to make a return. So, you could, so you're not necessarily buying property for an investment. Yeah, um, you're buying it as a home or second home that's important for you. Look, the world is going to be full of global citizens. I, 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 I expect people from the age of 18 to 23 now will be traveling um, more than ever, which means that they may not necessarily buy a home in that age group. I don't know if it's the Generation X or whatever it's called, but I can't. I, I think they're going to have a, some probably more disposable income because technology is going to give them the opportunity to travel so much. And so they won't be paying off their mortgage and they won't be paying off their car. They'll have that in their back pocket. They'll probably spend it on experiences. And then they might want to see some investment somewhere. And then, you know, there's a click of a button buying a percentage of X building in some neighborhood and then and then potentially trading out at some point instead of having it in their bank is... Like, I totally get that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And then there's going to be a huge population. Well, we've seen a massive population boom um, in India and in Asia. I think there's a circle that my company produced that surrounded uh, the whole of India, parts of uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and there's more people in this circle on the world map than there are outside it. And we don't <laughs> see that. I mean, it's shocking and amazing at the same time, but we don't see that. And these people are going to be globally connected. We're all globally connected. And therefore, people's asset classes and investments won't necessarily stay around their their 1% um, uh, uh, parameter, uh, sorry, one kilometer parameter from their home or 20 kilometers or, or near their grandma's house and their piece yeah, of land. So it's, it's, it's global and people are going to be much more considered with their approach 
um, and take into consideration currency until we get a digitized currency and then that's going to change the game a little bit. So uh, you are now applying an investment strategy in the property sector for the global audience and uh, I can totally see how that would work. Sounds good. I am not being paid by Duncan <laughs> to say this. <laughs> Incredible answer. Yet. Incredible answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I help myself back. <laughs> I guess it'd be good to know, um, given you know what we've what we've just discussed in terms of the tab app. You know, where do you see the industry in in, in the next couple of years? Where massive do you see change, just massive change. I'm already seeing it. You know, people communicating with us differently. Uh, culture has changed. This is the one thing that I've been banging on about now for the past probably month and a half. We've become fascinated with um, data, okay? But what we've seen is the world move faster and faster and faster and faster and faster than ever. So your data point that you're taking now is going to be out of date yeah. in six months' time. Yep. Because culture and everything's moving so fast, the world's moving so fast. And therefore, I'm not focusing on data I'm focusing on culture. So if I understand people, and thankfully I've had a reference point for the past 20 years of speaking to a thousand people a month, whatever it may be, yeah. I understand culture. I can tell by the way someone walks if they're happy or not. And, where, and, I, and I'll, I'll sit on a train on the odd occasion that I'm on the underground. <laughs> I, will, I will look at people and I'll see what they're wearing. What colors? Are they wearing shirts and ties? Tie sales are down 80% year on year or something like that, right? Um, are they on their iPhone or are they on their Samsung? Are they wearing headphones? Are they not wearing headphones? This is the kind of stuff that I do when I'm out. Culture has changed. Yeah, let's talk culture and data because they're both um, relevant to Tab as well. So yeah. culture-wise, I mean, there was a sort of light bulb moment for me. And some people that are sort of keeping up to date with my content will see that Premier Block Management is a company that I acquired and it's a relatively small business, 15 members of staff, and they, the MD who um, is a shareholder, he was just talking to me about culture, 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 all the way through the purchase process. And I was like, this guy just doesn't get it. You know, he doesn't <laughs> like, I just want to know about the P&L, how much money's coming in, how much is going out, how much can we afford to use to grow? And he was talking about the culture, the culture, the culture. And after a few months, it just, clicked all of a sudden and what's happened is I'm, I'm building a brand new business um, not just the tab app but also a new lending business which is also branded tab and I made this decision to focus <coughs> heavily on the culture and what that's meant is I've been able to recruit people that I never would have had an opportunity to recruit before I've got people full-time part of the team always on that live in Manchester um, that don't need to be tied to their desk from nine to five. So just on one subtle point about culture is, um, you know, every other business I've worked in before, if you're not at your desk at nine till five, something's wrong. You're getting called in, you've got sickness issues, or you're not committed, or you've got, you know, something where you don't fit in and you're not towing the line. My view is the complete opposite. Nobody should be anywhere they don't want to be at any time of day. All I want people to do is be motivated to work when they feel most happy and confident and comfortable to work. So if that means that you don't get into the office before 12, but you're on your emails every night, perfect. Why do I, especially when you start talking about um, how big the world is or how small the world is now, that some of my clients might not also be at their desk 
for well, some of your clients might be might be sleeping between your working hours. So some of your clients might be awake whilst you're asleep. Definitely. You, you some people work better be, in the morning. Some yeah. people work better in the evening. Sure. Why should we limit people's ability to perform? Um, by asking them to do things which don't benefit them it's or extremely, the company. Extremely refreshing and I 100% agree with you. And, and, and the funny thing is, when I was about, I think I was 19 or 20 and I was working at Vickers, Craig David, right, who, who's a hero of mine, um, um, Garage King, we, yeah. we, we, if you're in London, you, you, you probably grew up listening to Garage Music. Um, so Craig David was doing a concert or he just done a concert, then he was doing an after-party concert, and it started at 11.30 at night. And I'm 20, I've been in the job for two and a half years, and I remember saying, it was a Wednesday night, and I remember saying to the bosses, look, I really want to go to this thing, do you mind if I come in a bit late tomorrow? Because and you were making love on Wednesday, right? <laughs> He's oh, wow, very, very good, very good, very good, very good. That's one of the lyrics of the song, it's, that's not actually true. <laughs> anyway, um, and I remember the, the boss who say, yeah, go and enjoy yourself. And that meant the world to me, right? That meant the world to me. So now whenever anyone who works for me uh, or my assistants, they want to go away or, or you know, they want half, half a day off or whatever it may be, I'm like, go for it. Just do it. I, I appreciate you asking me, but just yeah. go and do it. I want you to be happy and content, yeah. right? And feel like we're doing stuff together. And then they get a sense of responsibility. Like I'm giving you a bit, you should give Correct. me a bit. You know, make sure that that Correct. thing that I asked you to do for Friday, which is really important to the business, is still done by Friday. Yeah. And it doesn't affect your ability to um, deliver on your tasks. And then also data. I mean, I'm, I'm actually getting quite excited about the data that I believe the tab app will produce because okay. there's the, the data on the property market is very far behind what's actually going on now. So when yep. properties came onto the market, what they went on for, then the price got reduced, then it went to exchange and several months later it completed. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to firstly introduce hundreds of thousands of people who never had access to the property market before so they wouldn't have been included in this data set at all and now they can buy instantly and they can sell instantly so we're going to start to understand what type of people are building a property portfolio what type of people when there is liquidity available will take that liquidity um, how much trading will there be in, in the market? How do people spread their money they amongst different assets, different asset classes? Commercial property is all of a sudden open to people that have never been open to before. So do they follow that? Are they chasing return? Are they chasing capital growth? And all this stuff um, is exciting. And I guess the thing, my point is that the, the data on the property market always feels so out of date to me. Um, well, it's not, it's not real time. I know a lot of businesses are trying to work that out. The difficulty we've got is when you, when you sell a property in London, there's a three months lag time before, before, it, it, gets, before it hits the land registry, which is the, government, which is the governmental portal that says this is how much a property is actually months. sold for. I mean, I, I, just, crazy, I right? don't wait three months for anything. Yes, but what you have to understand is that that creates opportunity for you. Right, because that means that your your business that you're set up is going to be even more valuable because you will have data sets that's real time. Yeah. Data's great, don't get me wrong. Data's really important, but it has to be data in real time, yeah, exactly. not historic data. Yeah. Because your historic data, exactly if you find out three months ago that this property is sold, okay, it's not, it, it's relevant, but what's relevant is then Six months prior to that, there was a price reduction. Three months prior to that, there was a there, it came to the market. So you're, ne you're nearly almost a year away from the journey of that asset. And if you can offer real time, 
then that's super valuable. Yeah. So I know everyone's trying to secure real-time data. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, I think we've I hit. Try. I think we've hit an hour, guys. Yeah. So I think I look, from my point of view, I've really enjoyed it, and I, I think, think we should follow it up again soon. And yeah, it's nice that. to hear a lot about your journey and like some of the just positive thinking attitude, which I think is you can translate to pretty much any business or any. I say issue or anything that comes up in your personal life or your business life, the way to deal with it is, like you've said a few times, be open, be honest, be transparent, be aware of the fact that any action that you take now could have a massive negative impact on everything you've done. And on the flip side, you know, just continuing to like bang the drum and produce what you're doing, then hopefully we'll sort of escalate to continue the growth that you've had it it 100% I had I don't know if we've got time for this we have we've got time okay fine there there was a hurdle moment in my life when I was about 26 27 where I I led a very clean life and I was a good boy and at 27 I learned the most valuable lesson and it reconfirmed stuff for me so I'm an estate agent and a woman an old woman calls my office and says that she wants to sell her property so I said I would go down and value it for her so I go down and value this apartment, which is in this sort of red brick building. It's four stories high. And I go into this shabby lift and the lift opens up straight into this apartment, which looks really decrepit. And because she's owned it for many, many years, but the lift opened straight into it. It was quite cool. Yeah. Sat down with her, gave her opinion of value. And I said, look, honestly, I'm interested in buying this apartment. I'm interested in it for because, yourself, for myself, but I don't want you to sell it to me at the number I'm going to give you. I want you to go and speak to other agents and then you'll save money if you sell it to me because I'm talking myself out of agency here, but you won't pay an agency fee and hopefully you'll be reasonable. And she did that. She came back to me. She gave me a number. We negotiated um, a little bit. She was a very hard negotiator. And, um, And I said to her, look, I need to get planning consent to convert the apartment from a two-bedroom into a three-bedroom. This is in 2007 as the market's about to tank. And I can feel it happening. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen, but I really, I needed a home and I needed a home that my parents could visit because they were getting a bit older and the lift yep. was important. And so I said, I said, uh, we agreed a price. I said, well, I need to get planning consent. I need to get consent from the freeholders. In the UK, the freeholder is the person who owns the, the building and the land that it's sat on. And they give you consent to do the internal works on the apartment. Um, now, the freeholders were an old couple who lived on the lower ground floor of this building. And uh, their son who was 45 at the time, owned the apartment that was underneath the one that I wanted to buy. So I said to this old couple, I'm interested in buying this apartment, but I'm only going to do so if I can convert it into a three-bedroom to create some value and some space for my parents and guests. And they said no. And they said no, because if you change the plumbing and the walls, then it could affect the flat beneath, which my son rents out. It's his only form of income. So no. And at this point, I'd gone hard on the deal, which would mean I've put the 10% deposit down. I've got my mortgage, committed. I'm committed, yeah. and I'm a little bit, I'm panicking a little bit, right? This is the biggest investment I'm about to make. The market's about to tank, and if I can't get the planning consent, it doesn't work for my family, and it doesn't work financially. Yeah. So I said to them, to the old couple and to the son on email, do you mind if I come and see you with my architect to show you how serious I am and, and that we're going to do a proper job? This isn't a flip. Yeah. This is going to be my home. So, so they said, you can come, but you can only come alone. So now I'm 27, everything's reliant on me now. Get to the door, ring the buzzer. Who is this? The son's on on the microphone. Who is this? It's Daniel Daggers. Okay, fine, come here. Get to the door of the apartment of the parents in the the basement, low ground floor. 
And the son rips open the door and says, you're Daniel Daggers. And I said, yes, that's right. I'm here for the meeting. And he was clearly really annoyed with me, even though I'd done nothing wrong. For no reason. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he felt threatened that okay. it could affect his income and, and, and it was sensitive for him. Um, all of a sudden, uh, his mother, who's probably about 95 at the time, um, was this lovely, lovely old lady. She looked a little bit like Yoda, you know, with a walking <laughs> stick, but, but great. Razor sharp mind, yeah. super bright. And she, she sort of walked under her son's arm and said, are you Daniel Daggers? I said, yes. She said, oh, I recognize you. And I said, I recognize you too. She says, how do I know you? So I said, well, I think about four or five years ago, you were walking, so I was working at Vickers & Company, and opposite Vickers & Company is this petrol station uh, that has like a grocery section, Tesco grocery section. So I said, I think I saw you one day walking out of Tesco's with some groceries and you were really struggling. Um, and I jumped out of the office, crossed the street, picked up your bags, and I obviously walked you here. I walked you home. I didn't realise it was this building, but I walked you here. And she said, that's absolutely correct. That's right, I remember. And she gave me my planning consent. I love that. That's amazing. Okay. That's amazing. Now, what did that teach me? It, We're definitely it, not going to cut that. Okay. <laughs> it reconfirmed. I share this story on the amazing. odd occasion when I want young people to be inherently good and know that good comes back to you yep. double. Pay it forward. And um, not financially, but just like yeah. out, of, yeah. out of just like goodness and mm -hmm. inspiration and enjoyment and happiness and all that sort of stuff. She gave me consent. What it did was reconfirmed what, I'd been, what I had been doing. It made you who you are today, which is... No, but it reconfirmed. I was a good person anyway. I yeah. tried to do good anyway. Yeah. It reconfirmed that what I was doing was the right thing. Yeah. And ever since then, I've just continued. And I've got another great story, but we'll save it we'll for, save the, it for, next, for next time. Definitely save it for next time. Um, part two with you coming in next time, 100%. Brilliant. Incredible. Um, it's been fun. Let's do it. Can, can I just say thank you so much for giving Pleasure. me the opportunity to do this? Absolutely. And I wish you luck with the business, and I really think it's got legs. I'm going to whiz you around the uh, building because okay. I don't think you've been here before, have you? And, no. Uh, show you what it's all about. No. Good work. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Is that hey. cool? Love that. Yeah? Brilliant. Okay, cool. Absolutely brilliant. Is that good? It's really good. Yeah? Yeah. Very topical. You're very, very good. You're way more, I know you would say that you're not that confident, but you should be because it comes across really well.